Kei hea rā te tiro matomato ngā tamatāne o te pā, topa topa a manu tūana te kāruhiruhi. Miria o roimata, eina e kui whakarongo ki ngā tamariki, pōhutuhutu. Kei wareware tātou, ka mauma haratunu tātou, kia rātou. This week on The Hui. We're with the last surviving member of the 2-8 Māori Battalion, Sir Robert Bomb Gillies. We've got to be clear in our mind about what it's all about. It's only about killing people. Historian Dr Monty Suter joins us live at the Auckland War Memorial Museum. Plus, we sit down with the whānau of Kane Tatai. Does Anzac Day take on a whole new meaning for you now? We understand now, eh? Yeah. After they laid his body to rest at Waikumete Cemetery. We just want to thank everyone from the bottom of our hearts for all the love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tehewa Mauriora, kia tātou katoara. A nau mai i a tātou e ngā hunga atuana ki te rā whakamaharatanga ki ngā hoia. Kia ora and welcome to the hui and our Anzac Day special. We are here live at the Auckland War Memorial Museum in the Hall of Remembrance. Tomorrow morning at 5am, tens of thousands will assemble here for the first time in three years without COVID restrictions to commemorate Anzac Day at the Auckland Dawn service. And as you can see from these pictures, preparations are underway now for that event. But tonight we begin our programme in Rotorua. It's home to the sole surviving member of the 2-8 Māori Battalion, a man we found to be deeply contemplative about the role of war in our society and his own participation in it. As a 17-year-old, Bom Gillies left the shores of his hometown in Rotorua ready to serve for his country in World War II. Like many young men, he was hoping for the adventure of a lifetime. But the brutal reality of war soon hit home. Fighting on the front line of battlefields in Europe, where millions of people were killed. Today, the 98-year-old is the last surviving member of the 28th Māori Battalion. And as time has passed, his view of war is no longer the same. I was always just one of the crowd, but now I'm the last one left. I've got a front up, and it's my duty to do it on behalf of the, the fellows who all passed on. Yeah, honour them. What's it like for you on Anzac Day? When it comes to Anzac Day, what do you think about? Anzac Day... Uh, it's a day of remembrance and uh, honour the Opetuatahi and uh, there's all our crowers, which I used to watch as a boy, and um, all the Maori soldiers and uh, Maori military people who volunteered their lives. And some came home, passed away at home here, and the others still lie in foreign soil. It's an honour for them to honour them. Is there anyone in particular of those who never came home, even from here, from where we are here in Ohinumutu, of the many who went over and many who didn't 
make it back home. Is there anyone in particular you think of and remember? Oh, yeah. We, we all had a lot of mates, and you always think of them as mates. You wonder sometime what they went for and what they died for. Because I think the world is worse now than it at that time. Really? I think so. Why do you, what makes you say that? Well, it's, it's all, all, it's all power. Wars are created for power and money. And that shouldn't be like that. Mm. No one should lose their lives. They should be allowed to live their lives out. You're talking about the futility of war. Yes. Even though you went to war. Yeah, well, we thought oh, it was great to go and see other places. And um, it was a different thing when we got there, though. Yeah, we realised the reality of war. And the, those memories still linger in your head. Yeah, you never forget them. How, how often do you get those lingering memories, as you call them? Oh, it's there most of the time. Different times of the day you, you think about those fellas. comes back into your head. But uh, Anzac Day is a special day of remembrance to them. I remember last year we had you in Waitangi <laughs> at an event there to acknowledge you after you received your knighthood. And I remember, I think it might have been Peter Tipene was asked to open the corridor and he broke down. He, he saw you and he said he couldn't help but think of all those ancestors, mātua, kaumātua, who went to World War II. And when he sees you, he thinks about them. What's that like for you when people do that? It makes me, makes me really deep in my thoughts because I know that... Um, the tears are for those of their relations and the ones who died, almost for nothing. You think that even now, yeah. almost for nothing? Yeah. All the wars are fought, never solved anything. And now they've got Ukraine going, that should never have happened. When you talk like that, I mean, there are a lot of Māori who are in the army now and the Defence Forces. What do you think about that when you hear that so many have follow, are following in your footsteps? Yeah, I think very deep about that. And uh, I only wish they'd, they'd say stay in civilian life because what they're going for will be the same as what, we, what happened to us. We come back, nothing's changed. Peace is the best thing out and nobody promotes it. Mm. They promote war, call for war. Nobody calls for peace. Mm. But I guess one day the world will wake up, I hope. So when you hear about so many people talking about the feats and achievements of their ancestors in war and dying overseas, does a part of you still think that you wished it never happened. Yes, I do. Yeah. For a lot of people, that would that would be a surprise to hear you say that. Yeah, I know. I know. We'd, we've got to be clear in our mind about what it's all about. 
It's only about killing people. When it comes down to the brutality of war, we're losing parts of our family, which is very hard to, to get over. I still got a great uncle lying in France, and I still think of him, Uncle Walter. And a lot of people will have bodies still in other places, even in in Malaya and Vietnam. Some of our kin there should have been at home here. It's very sad. Very sad war never solves anything. So what do you want the legacy of the 28 Māori Battalion to be? Well, the main thing is that uh, there was about 3,000 men served in, in the battalion and uh, about nearly 600, I think, didn't come home. And I think back and what did they waste their lives for? There's a lot of grievance to the families and I think it wasn't worthwhile. If I had my time over again, what I know now, I would have stayed at home. I would have been an objector, conscientious objector. Really? Yeah, for peace. If you'd done that, what do you think? Oh, I would have been slammed by the average uh, person in New Zealand. It was the way they think, which I was thinking that way. All the objectors, we, we just use it. They call it white feather, white feather people. But uh, I think they were right to promote peace. And I wonder what your message is to, particularly Rangatahi. I mean, you're 98 yeah. now, as we approach Anzac then. But what, what do you say to Rangatahi when you talk with them? Because they all look up to you. Stay real to your Māori tongue. I, I tell them to learn a bit about about the religion, and um, in reality, treat the, the people like they you treat your own family. That's the best way. We'll get on together. And the extended version of that interview with Korobom will be on our Facebook page after this. We are back after the break with esteemed Māori historian Dr Monty Suta after this quick break. Stay with us on the hui with our very special broadcast on this Anzac Day 2023. Welcome back to the Hui and this, our Anzac Day special for 2023, here at the Auckland War Memorial Museum at the Hall of Remembrance. And I'm joined now by historian Hefata Korero Hefata Kupu, Dr. Monty Suta. Thank you so much for your time. You have spoken with a lot of veterans in your time, it's fair to say, and you've studied the words and stories of those who did not make it back. Is Korobom's position on war that we have just heard a common one? Uh, well, you've got to remember there are thousands of Māori soldiers who have served overseas, so you can expect that there will be several views on service. And um, I, I think it's uh, rare to hear that um, 
that view expressed publicly. Um, you know, men went for a lot of reasons, and um, some would say uh, they'd probably go again, uh, largely because if they didn't, their cousins would have to go or brothers would have to go. Others would be keen to go again, and there would be others again in the same camp as uh, um that they would, on reflection, would probably not. Were you somewhat surprised to hear him talk like that in that way? No, no, I, I've always been um, advised that as you age, that uh, you grow in wisdom, and I think his comments really are um, the wisdom of age. Mm. You know, he's 98, and um, to be saying those things like that now, I, I think it's an important lesson to us younger people. It's rare, though, to hear someone say those views publicly. Mm. Why is that, do you think? I think it's largely because the 28 Māori Battalion has uh, got such a reputation that nobody likes to uh, probably raise any hint of, um, uh, I, I suppose, um, unwillingness to serve. But uh, if anybody can, it's a member of the 28 himself. Oh, yeah. He's got more right than anyone else, well, <laughs> given he's, he's the sole the survivor. only one who's got the that only right. one that's right. Mm. Uh, look, when we commemorate Anzac Day, we are accurately reflecting the wide range of experiences and the nuances of those soldiers' stories. Are we doing it in the right way, do you think? The way in which we commemorate, is it the right way? Well, I think it's a fine line between commemoration and um, glorification of war, uh, and you've got to treat carefully. But I think, you know, I've attended lots of uh, services around the country over the years. I think we do it well. I think it's solemn, um, it's sincere, uh, and it's respectful. And uh, as long as, you know, that's retained, uh, I can't see any problem with that. Um, yeah. It's, it, it is different the way we do it to, say, the likes of our closest cousins, the Australians. Right? They have a very different way of commemorating yeah. Anzac Day over there. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing that we do is we bring our culture to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we don't seem to have a problem with that, um, bringing the culture into the, the ceremony. And it is, after all, particularly the dawn ceremony, it's, a, it's a following a military funeral. Um, you know, style, and we, and we do it like that. And we know as Māori what Tangianga are like, and so we bring that to it as well. Particularly at that time. Mm. At Particularly at dawn. Look, this year schools will be putting a greater emphasis on the teaching of New Zealand history. What do you most want to see explained to students about war, World War I, World War II? I, I'd really like them to understand why men went. Um, that uh, you know that we were duty bound, our, our our forefathers. I think particularly for Maori, who were all volunteers in those two world wars, to understand what motivated them, uh, and it has a lot to do with the the treaty and um, the duties and obligations that we're bound to under Article Three of the treaty. Mm. Hopefully, they'll teach that, and so that people don't think that we just went for only to see the world, our, our, our fathers and grandfathers, that we actually went for a common purpose. I'll see you tomorrow morning. I mean, we can't wait. Dr. Monty Suter there, historian and author as well. Kia utonu mai e tiwi after the break. Ko tō tatou manu ti ori ori e hare ake ana. We're also with the whānau of Kane Tetai, and then we're joined by Mei Sirika. E whakarehu ana i a tatou kōrero katoa i te hui.
He hui whakamahara, he hui whakahirahira tēnei te haere ake nei. No mai anō. Welcome back to the hui. While we commemorate the service and sacrifice of the military men and women of Aotearoa, we often ignore the strength and sacrifices of their whānau, who also carry the scars of war. Kain Tatai is the third Kiwi known to have been killed during Russia's invasion of Ukraine. His parents, Naira and Keith, sat down with Rurani Pereira and began by talking about the moment it was confirmed that their eldest son had died on the front line. It was like the worst day of our lives. And it's like surreal in the fact that you're hearing, but it's not sinking in. And I tell you, his whole life flashed before me. And then I always thought, oh, he's such a comedian. He would do something where he would hopefully be still alive. Yeah. But no. When I met Nairi, Kane was four going on five. And I slept in his room uh, one night and there were these aeroplanes and Hey, all these army toys hanging on the, from the ceiling. So, you know, he was already pointed in their direction. Kane Tatai's army ambitions only got stronger as he got older. He was just 17, straight out of school, when he joined the New Zealand Defence Force. Yeah, no, he has always been very, very independent, strong, confident. And Kane would need all of that bravado deployed to Afghanistan before his 21st birthday. I never ever dreamed, really, he'd go onto the battlefield. And I think that's probably the same with other parents. They never ever think their kids are gonna ultimately get to that stage. He served seven years with our armed forces and would always look for humour in the darkest of times. Good job, Russia. I need to wake up at 4.30 anyway, so, uh... Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the wake-up call. One of the biggest things is try to find joy in the things that you can, you know. If you like to watch a funny show, watch a funny show. I like to watch fail videos on YouTube as the last thing that I do, just to make myself sort of laugh before I go to bed. Last August, the 38-year-old spoke to the Hui from the front line to shed light on what was happening half a world away. He would explain why he felt compelled to pack up his life in Aotearoa and enlist with the International Legion of Ukraine. There we go. So you haven't given yourself any time constraints as to how long you'll be there for? It's um, how long mentally I can sort of keep this up for, but also for as long as I'm affected, or until my mum harasses me on that next level, um, which she, she does try. I just know my heart will be very heavy when I, when I come back from this place. But Kane also missed his whānau back home and kept in regular contact with his mum. He always had to be light-hearted about what he was doing. I don't think he wanted us to worry, eh, darling? No. Easily said than done. If he didn't answer back, I'd be so worried, but 
that last one when we were trying to figure out whether he was still here or not. Yeah, and he didn't answer. Yeah. News Hub understands there are grave fears tonight that Kiwi soldier Kane Tetai may have been killed in action in Ukraine. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs... I was beside myself. One, for him to die in a foreign country, and two, to have him come back maybe in ashes was not even... I couldn't even imagine that happening. It wasn't going to happen. I didn't know how it was going to be possible for him to come back. Returning Kane's body home was a very dangerous and costly three-week operation that Tatai Fano managed to raise the $65,000 they needed in a few days. We just want to thank everyone from the bottom of our hearts for all the love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did it mean to you to have his two papuku return home? So the relief to have him back with by us and to be buried on his whenua, that was huge. Kane's final journey began with a pōwhiri at Te Taua Moana Marae on Auckland's North Shore. Always prepared, Kane had written a letter to his parents and 12-year-old daughter in case he didn't make it home alive. In it, he explained why he couldn't ignore the conflict when innocent people were forced to live it. I think it gave us the answers we needed. After I read that, I, I had a sense of understanding. You know, I was thinking, you've, you've got a daughter here, you've left her, and that was part of the way he was speaking about the selfish part of his choice. What about us? And I'd love to have my son here on this earth, but I feel a little at peace knowing he's answered some of those questions. Hundreds came to celebrate Kane's life at Waikumete Cemetery too, including those who he fought alongside in Ukraine. It is an honour for me personally to say thank you to Kane, to say thank you to you know, his uh, family, to his friends, to the whole uh, Maori culture and to New Zealand for supporting of Ukraine because it's hugely important for Ukraine to feel not alone in this uh, terrible war. He was always there eh, when he lost a comrade. He'd make sure he'd be there for the whānau, yeah, and celebrate them. Does Anzac Day take on a whole new meaning for you now? We understand now, eh? Yeah. I've got so much more respect for our servicemen and for our grieving parents and families. those ones, families, the ones that have gone before us. He was my first love. And I just love my son. But now we'll uh, focus our energies on his daughter, our Moko girl. And yeah, just try and um, keep his memory alive and everything that we do, celebrate his life. Remembering Kane 
and his ultimate sacrifice. You can find all of our stories from today's show and our extended interview with Tarbom Galigs on Facebook, YouTube and on newshub.co.nz. Thank you so much for joining our ANZAC special hui this week. We will leave you now with an incredibly special waiata sung by one of the sweetest songbirds of Aotearoa. It's Meizirika with the Māori Battalion hymn, Oehu Tirohia. Kei wareware tātou, ka maumahara tunu tātou kia rātou. Haumie, huie.
Nā te puna whakatonga rewa, te hui i tautoko.